for the message about being thankful ahead of what we receive. Second um, Chronicles 20 is what I have in mind to read, page 512 in your pew Bible. Second Chronicles 20, we'll read the first 30 verses. This is one of those uh, scripture readings that are just so amazing, so brilliant, that you don't need a sermon after it. I could just read this chapter, and if I were to pass out, we all had to go home, we had enough. Just the reading of this itself, because if, uh, I might have to interrupt once in a while and explain what's going on, but Second uh, Chronicles 20. Hear the word of God. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, your footnote might say Meunites, another group of people, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah. He would be uh, the head of God's people at that time. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. <laughs> then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade. So at this point in the prayer, brothers and sisters, notice um, Jehoshaphat is saying, this is somewhat unfair, Lord. This is unfair, this is inju there's injustice here. You would not let us invade, it says in verse 10, when they came out to the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, 
Go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites, of the children of the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah! And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe as prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Another translation would be, Thank the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. Just, just so you notice, these people are fighting themselves. Ammon one enemy fights Moab, the other enemy, Mount Seir, to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies, fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave them rest all around. May the Lord add his blessing to the word we've read. Verse 21 summarizes it. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. 
after the sermon, we're going to sing hymn 85. We'll sing hymn 85 and remain standing after that too. Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, what are you thankful for this past year? What has gone well for you and you praise God for it? 2023, what have you received? Maybe you've done some thinking about this and uh, with no order in mind, you've thought about friends and family and church and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've, you've thanked God for your health, for your work, you name it. Hundreds of times in the scriptures you will hear, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for what you have. Be grateful for what you've been given. But I want to go this morning, this New Year's morning, into a little less familiar territory. Less familiar to me, for sure. I heard this prayer, um, especially when I was among other Christians, uh, a prayer that I wasn't used to just before a meal. They would say grace, it would go like this. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly grateful. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Amen. That's, that's how they pray. Many people. And I'm not sure if it's actually how they meant it, but it is a pre-thankful prayer. Pre-thankful what we're about to receive. We haven't had it yet. It's a few minutes before we have it. But we're going to thank you, Lord, for it. And so for the next 20 minutes this morning, I want to open the Scriptures to this kind of thanksgiving. Thank God before you've received something. Before you even know how the year 2024 turns out, thank God before He's done something. And if you look for it, you'll see it more often in the Scriptures. For example, the Lord Jesus Himself does this. Matthew 15, verse 36. There's a handful of loaves, a couple of fish. That's it. Just a handful of loaves and a couple of fish. Has all these crowds sit down, and with those loaves and fish, He looks up to His Father in heaven and gives thanks. He might have fed the first row the front row. But he was thankful for what it would do, feeding the, mere, uh, the crowd of 5,000 and more. There's another time the Apostle Paul had been arrested. He was going off to Rome and he was taken in a ship to Rome. Acts 27 describes about that ship entering a huge storm and it's almost sinking. And suddenly there's this moment in that very storm that Paul goes around telling everyone that they will reach land, you will make it. Eat something, he says. And he leads all the Roman soldiers and all the prisoners, he leads them in a prayer. When he had said these things and quieted the people down, he took bread, he had given thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Imagine in the middle of a storm, thanking God, and celebrating before being saved. There's other times Jesus gives, gives thanks to God even before he raises Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. 
Another example, at the last Passover, the Lord's Supper, Jesus gave thanks to God before the wine, before the bread was broken, thankful for what's about to happen. And the message is, thanksgiving shouldn't only be tied to what you have now and what you see, what you've received. It shouldn't be so much about what you have or what you don't have. Maybe you can look back and say the last year was a lousy year. Maybe it was a good year. It doesn't matter. The point is, what if we look forward with thanksgiving? 1 Thessalonians 5 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Are you thankful to God for Him, who He is, for His goodness in in Himself? Because that's the point. On one level, you can thank the Lord when you receive His goodness. When you experience His goodness, you can thank Him for that. But what if you thank the Lord for His character, that He is good? What if you praise Him for His goodness? That's who He is. Especially when you're not going through the best of times. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you can be thankful for what is coming. And you should be. <coughs> I came across an interesting example of pre-thankfulness. Jonah in the belly of the great fish, you read the song that he writes. Even while he's deep in the sea at the bottom, inside the fish. How can you be thankful in that situation? Well, he was looking forward to what God would do. Deliver him. And then, maybe just one more before we get to Second Chronicles. The one we began just before the service, Psalm 100. Come before his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. That's definitely ahead of time, right? Before you've gotten anything out of the service, which shouldn't really be the main point, is what you get out of it. But before you've even gotten anything out of it, You're thanking the Lord. You come there with an attitude that you are thankful that you can be near God and His people. But my favorite here is 2 Chronicles 20. That's what we're getting into this morning. And it begins, as we read this passage, you notice it begins with this terror, fear, anguish. And you get the picture of how absolutely helpless God's people were. They've got nothing to be thankful for. Surrounded by a coalition of three enemy nations. Sounds like three anyway, depends on how you translate it. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and then there's a group of some version of Ammonites, which might be Maunites. And here's the lesson. No matter what, you can call on the Lord and He hears you in your distress. It's really going to be a point of chronicles that God is never too far that he won't hear you anymore. But there's this prayer of Jehoshaphat. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Is that setting of helplessness. It really makes the point. It's not your current situation that's going to be... You can't be really thankful for what you're really in right now. Because what happens in verses 18 to 19, while the multitude of enemies is on the doorstep, Jehoshaphat does something so odd. 
He mobilizes the people to praise God. They begin to worship God while the enemies are still there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's kind of what's going on. There's this massive joy feast that's going on. Enemies still there, and now there's musical uh, groups set up, musicians and singers. The Levites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And there's something of uh, background to this. You, you have to realize that singing is warfare, spiritual warfare. Psalm 144 describes the instruments of warfare. They would be not weapons for battle, but bow and arrow? No, not shield, not sword. It turns out Psalm 144, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He's talking about the ten-stringed lyre, the harp. There's a spiritual warfare where thanksgiving begins. Praise to God. That is what defeats the enemies. God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. But how do we get there? How do we get to that thankfulness when you're in a situation that's terrifying? You have to see 2 Chronicles 20. How do they get to the point from fear and terror to put down their weapons of battle and to take up the weapons of spiritual warfare, take up singing and praise instead? How do they do it? The Word of God. That's the difference. The future is decided by God, and when He speaks, He says, This is my war. This is my battle. I've got this. God is speaking to Jehoshaphat. He says, Watch me. I'm going to destroy your enemies, and the most you can do is go to the lookout point, view from the elevation, and watch what I do in the valley below. And that's the basic point. God has spoken. And on the word of God, it's as good as done. And there's this relief. Imagine the message of God, the word of God being so powerful that Jehoshaphat says, oh, yeah, let's put down our, sh- our swords, our, sh- our shields, bows and arrows. Let's, yeah, just put that over here. Yeah, we're, we're done with that today. And the enemies are still amassing in the valley. They're joining forces. And and Jehoshaphat is, well, we heard from God's word. We heard from his his prophets that he's got this. It's his battle. So where's your instruments? Let's get the music going. And there's this, this joy, this praise. As horrifying as the situation is in front of their eyes, with a few words from God through his prophet. Look at verse 13. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, so the Spirit of the Lord came upon this Levite and he said, listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid 
nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's the point. And God says through his prophets, this is my battle. You're going to want to know for sure it was the Lord who said it, not just some figment of somebody's imagination. If he did, like he says in verse 20, believe his prophets, you're like, whew, that's a relief. It's God's battle. Okay, let's get to singing. Let's get to rejoicing. Let's get to thanking. And this is how they are pre-thankful. How can you thank God ahead of time? You have to know that the future is in His hand. That the future is sure, absolutely guaranteed. That's how you're going to rejoice in all circumstances. You know Him at His word. And I want you to think about the gospel for a moment. I mean the gospel, the way throughout the years, people have used that word gospel for thousands of years. It was an announcement. And a gospel message would have gone like this, no matter what kingdom or nation, empire, it would have gone like this. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is coming. That's the gospel. A mighty soldier coming from another country, conquering as he is coming. And this announcement comes with heralds, with trumpets, and it gives you a heads up. Will you welcome this coming king? Will you receive him? Or will you fight against him? Do you believe this coming king is your redeemer, or do you think he's your enemy? It makes all the difference. And this is the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's the message of John the Baptist. Before Jesus enters, John the Baptist is saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. That means the tide has shifted. Satan, the kingdom of darkness, is on its way out. That's the Christian message. It looks, it looks like to your eyes, like the enemy multitudes are gathering in front of us still. It looks like enemies are surrounding God's people. It looks like disaster is about to happen. But no, you hear this, and especially you hear it in God's Word, you hear it in church. The King, Jesus Christ, is coming. He's given his life to, to ransom you from your sins. He is raised from the dead. He has conquered death itself. He's crushed Satan. Now Jesus Christ reigns from heaven above. And you're like, but, but the valley's full of enemies. I feel like I'm fighting against sin. I have this old nature in me. I can't wait. Do you hear the gospel? Right now you are living for a king. You better be living for a king that you cannot see. God's enemies are condemned. Do you realize that? God's enemies, everyone is condemned. They are weak. They are about to kill each other off. The valleys of this earth will be filled with blood of the dead. 
those who are estranged from God, who do not worship God. And your perspective, it has to change. Open your eyes and give thanks. You praise your God who is bringing this kingdom. And you're joyful now, even before you live in glory. Before there's paradise, before there's heaven, you already now rejoice. Jesus said, blessed are you. Rejoice if you're persecuted for my name's sake. If you're picked on for serving the King Jesus Christ, you can rejoice. You can give thanks ahead of time. His kingdom is coming, and that makes all the difference. And look at how God uses his praises. Second Chronicles 20, the story is coming to an end there. And the timing is amazing. Jehoshaphat, he's appointed those who would sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Think of the timing. They're beginning to sing and praise. And while they're singing, there's things happening. Ambushes. Ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were defeated. As you're singing, do you know that God has set ambushes for all his enemies? As you praise God, as you pray to God, as you're given thanks, you know what God is doing to his enemies. Because you might not see it. Ambushes are secret. You don't see it. That those who do not live for the Lord, their ground is being hollowed out from underneath them. What they rely on for strength is turning out to be nothing. And then the singers, they, they have this important place. They're coming first in line of, of all of God's people. The thanksgiving and praise comes first, followed by the army. I hope you noticed this. The army comes afterward. And what's the army for? For hauling the loot, the plunder, home. The enemies left so much stuff. Food and clothes and supplies. You know how long it took for these guys? The army of Israel... To haul all the loot home. All the enemy's treasure. How long? Three days. Look at verse 25. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. There was this awesome glory that they could not see coming. They weren't even ready to imagine it. Imagine how ridiculous their prayer would have been at the beginning. Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly grateful. Amen. Imagine they had said that. For what we're about to receive, which our minds can't even grasp. I'm hardly thankful, we're hardly thankful for what the glory is that Christ is about to bring us, 
bring us into, the kingdom that we're about to enter. Do you know the glory we're about to see? No. It's hard to imagine. But we should practice singing and giving thanks because we're going to encounter a glory that our singing and thanksgiving never was worthy of. Let's be thankful looking to the future, brothers and sisters. We don't know the year 24, 2024. You don't know what's going to happen, but you know your God. You don't know the goodness that might be coming in the year 2024. Maybe there's a little bit of goodness. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's plenty. But you know your God. You know He is good. You know His character. And you know He's promised. I'm the good shepherd. I love my sheep. I'll preserve my church no matter what the gates of hell want to do against my people. I love my people. That is God's word to you this year. Beginning of this year. God says, I love you. And I have a glory coming for you. Be thankful before you even see it. Amen.